Bobcast with Old Bay Brigade, hosted by Rooster and the Villain. All right, welcome back to the Maryland Bobcast, everybody. We've uh, we've got a game to talk about. Not necessarily the the greatest game, uh, but we do have a game. But uh, we also have Alex from the Old Bay Brigade. Alex, what's up? Not too much, Mike. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing okay. It was Monday, so work happenings and you know life. Mondays are a nightmare. They suck. They're they're awful. Okay. Yeah, yeah. At my at my school today, a kid pulled the fire alarm as dis, as the dismissal announcement was happening. Nice. And then freaked out because he realized he had set the alarm off, and instead of trying to push the handle back up, he ripped the whole thing off the wall. So at that point in time, you cannot turn the uh, alarm off until the state until the state department comes out and replaces it. Ooh, that's brutal. So, so, so did you guys get out early or just hang out? No, no. He pulled it like at dismissal. Oh, right. so the only change was that it was chaos. And then we had to while we packed up for the day, we had to listen to the fire alarm go off. Sounds so awful. that's fun. Yeah. All right. And we've got a very special guest tonight. We have Max Walpoff, who is the new uh, voice of the Bobcats. Max, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, gentlemen, I'm thrilled to be here, and thank you for inviting me on. I'm happy to be part of this team, and again, you guys showed me nothing but love throughout this, and I know those of us listening can't see this, but I am wearing the Old Bay Brigade scarf, which was a gift courtesy of my brother. Nice. <laughs> so shout out to my brother, he's Zach. He's a good man. He's, he's, been, he's been super helpful with getting a lot of research done for opposing teams, and I know he's been all about joining you guys in the Old Bay Brigade. He is all about that. Yeah, he's been a nice addition. He he's an encyclopedia of, of soccer knowledge. Holy shit! Yes. Every time uh, so I talk my, so I'll, I'll get. I'm sure we'll get to this with my story and my journey. But I always figured with every game I called, I had three people listening at any given time: my brother, my mom, and my dad. My brother was the savant, and it was one of those he knows everything about everything. But I have to package the information in such a way as to surprise him or enlighten him on something different that he didn't think about before, even if it was the same exact information he already knew. Yeah. I feel like he knows a lot. Like I, I couldn't believe how much he knows about Nisa already. And I, uh, yes, I, I could not believe what he knew about the team by the time I heard about the team. He was dropping things during the game. Like uh, there was a player on Michigan that we thought had scored the first goal. Um, and he was just like rattling off information about where he was from, where he went to college, where he lived after college, what his mom did for work. So and I was part like, of, Zach, so, so I need so, more information specifically about moms and sisters. Continue to give me the mom and sister information so I can ruin these people's days. So part of that, especially for Michigan, like we, we've tag teamed on a couple of these where he'll do a lot of the opposing team research for games because I'm doing other stuff during the day i but for michigan i was like all right the defending champs are coming to town i want to do this one so i believe that was uh uh omeda uh, the japanese guy mm-hmm. who we thought had yeah. scored the first goal for michigan and i found that he was a published author and on the back of the book on amazon it actually listed what his parents did because oh, he, was so one of, he was one of those kids who talked about that. So I, I couldn't tell you precisely what they did now. Because that's the thing. After a game, I'm so in tune to how minutely everything goes. But once the game yeah. is done, everything goes flush out the way. 
yeah. Until until they come back, I am not going to remember much about the Michigan Stars. Yeah, yeah. It's a it, it's been a lot of fun to stand there and talk to him and and hear his insight into stuff. It's it's been it's been really cool. And he, you can tell he really loves uh, working with you in the process of of getting everything set up. Oh yeah, he I, definitely I credit, really has a I ton of fun. I credit him. I credit him for finding a lot of the stuff about Ocean City. A lot of the stuff about Flowers City oh, yeah. initially, uh, he's been an irreplaceable part of getting ready for this season. The process with those uh, that Ocean City Open Cup matches those those guys do so much switching around because mm-hmm. they're uh, they're just college guys. Yeah, I know. The, the, like those yeah, teams change from week to week, which is just sort of the consequence of playing at the levels that we have. Yeah. Yeah, what I appreciate appreciate about the college kids is a lot of times the college websites keep their bios up to date, oftentimes better than the uh, the professional clubs themselves. Oh, I'm so yeah. thankful for that. I I really I want to shout out the University of Minnesota because I'm sure we'll get some more of this. But one thing I really took to liking about University of Minnesota is they had not just full bios of where they went to college, uh, where they college before, when they went to high school, their parents, their, uh, their, their siblings. They also had a link sponsored by their deaf studies program where you could click and hear their name be pronounced. Huh, that's oh, beautiful. it was so good, especially for ice hockey names, because I know oh, I'm, getting all adju- over the place. I'm getting adjusted to soccer names, which are like, uh, very all the very more African, Slavic, all the very African languages, the Slavic languages, uh, Hispanic names, ice hockey. A lot of it's Nordic, uh, some Slavic as well. Um, and on top of that, like rural Canadian, rural Canadians. So getting to hear it from the from their deaf studies program of how the name is pronounced, I think more schools need to do something like that because it's a brilliant feature and super helpful for those of us in the realm of trying to get these names right. I've been arguing it for for the entirety of the time I've been watching Nisa and the entirety of the time I've been following the, the Bobcats clubs need to be on top of, excuse me, of pronunciation guides and media guides so you guys, you guys shouldn't have to sit there for hours leading up to a match and research that shit. They, well, there should be a standard of expectation of this is what these teams produce. I mean, Club De Leon can't even <clears throat> send a tweet. You think they're going to give this guy a media guide? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I really do think that a lot of these clubs are, especially at the lower levels of professional sports, they're shoestring operations. It's a couple of guys in a room it's a couple people who really do care about what they do. They just don't necessarily have the time or the money to focus their efforts on everything. And I get that having been at the lower levels of professional sports, the guys often, I was the guy creating the media guide for some of the teams that I worked for. And often enough, it was the media guide for one person yourself. Yeah. Right here. All right. So, so you touched on it briefly a little bit, but, um, so, so right now you have a JD. Was that why you were in, um, in Miami? So I, let me just, let's just, let's back paddle. Let's zoom okay. all the way out and go through the history of the history of Max Walpuff as it were. <laughs> I, like uh, it. I was, I was a theater kid in high school. So you guys can bully me all you want for that. Got no problem. Me too. Kids, buddy. I was, awesome. it, I was in theater all through high school as well. So it actually came into a kind of a joke toward the end where I was in so many shows 
where it became a joke at the end in senior speeches when we would give our goodbyes to everybody. Everyone, when they came to me, they would remark that Max died in every show. <laughs> and it was true. I had died in a lot of the shows that I did in high school. Like I, I was stabbed in Peter Pan. I was thrown into a man-eating plant in uh, Willow Shop of Horrors. Were you hooked uh, I would, Peter Pan? What? No, I was not <laughs> hooked. I was one, I was one of his pirates. Okay. He was he no. was Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors, though. <laughs> I now I was Mr. Bushnick, and I can still do the voice because it's basically a Bernie Sanders impression. <laughs> that's the yeah. first uh that's the first Bernie and Sanders impression on the uh Maryland Bobcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I mark I, mark I this watched, moment, timestamp this for history. I watched so many hours of that man speaking just to get his intonation and his voice and his mannerisms because I felt like Mr. Mushnick in that show very much is a working class version of Bernie Sanders, the senator. Mm-hmm. At least as far as mannerisms, voice, and history, I really felt he was a good inspiration for that character. Yeah. So in high school, did theater. Uh, I went to a couple of theater camps when I was in summers in high school and realized I was not good enough. it really isn't it's really humbling when you go to theater camps and you go to places where there are actual like pre-professional actors who've gone on traveling shows and have been part of big theater companies in chicago los angeles dallas uh even dc and they are so much better than me oh my goodness they were so much better they had done so much more they knew so much more And it was really humbling to go back home after that and realize I can't do this professionally if this is what I'm up against. So sort of to backpedal into being able to be a performer of some sort, I had always been a sports fan. Uh, I remember when I was younger, uh, we had these little headliners where they were big heads, small body of whatever major league athletes you want to put in here. And I would pretend to announce uh, all of the names as they went across like, like my little carpet that was basically looking like a basketball court. I would announce the starting lot, right, lineup for the Bulls versus the Wizards. And I would do that as a kid, not really thinking anything of it. But looking back on it, I had been training myself to be a broadcaster for a while. So in looking at colleges, uh, some of the colleges I applied for and looked at the only one that could guarantee me a chance to work the booth first year was Boston University. So that made my choice in- infinitely easy. Uh, I applied early decision to BU. I got in and that was the end of the search. I was going to BU. I was going to move to Boston. And thankfully, uh, I-, I love talking about this because my first semester at BU, I ran into a man by the name of James Matone who is now out in California. He's working as a video game uh, writer. He, he covers esports, And he was my sports director for the first couple of months that I was there at the student radio station. And he gives me a couple of assignments just to get my feet wet to be the second voice on a lot of games. So that was mostly ice hockey at BU, as well as some field hockey in the early months to really get, just try to understand the rhythm. I still remember the first uh, radio show that he invited me just to watch that was at BU's old uh, old radio station because it burned in a fire later that year. That's a separate story for a separate time. <laughs> but he invited me to just sit in the back and watch. And 
This is where it helps to have grown up in Maryland. Uh, he, we were talking about the NFL and the early season storylines, and he proceeded to ask the question, can anybody explain to me what's going on with the Washington Redskins? And I sit in the back like, dude, put me on. I was made for this moment. <laughs> so I had spent years reading the post, reading the, to- reading the stories about the team and the ownership and the revolving door at quarterback. So in a three-minute pitch, I actually explained the entirety of what was going wrong with the Washington Football Club as it was at the moment. More stuff proceeded to go wrong later. But from then on, he proceeded to trust me a lot more. And I can still remember him giving my first uh, travel assignment was to go to Madison Square Garden and cover BU men's hockey versus Cornell in their once-every-two-years game from MSG. You know, I read I read an article you wrote about MSG, and you called it something uh, derogatory. You have you have, you have uh, Listen, issues with MSG. I, I have I have very bad opinions of Madison Square Garden as an arena. Oh, I do. Excuse me. And I'm not shy to say that. I having worked at the arena and having been there as a fan, it's a limited experience. Sure, the history of the arena, that stuff I respect. A lot of cool stuff has happened there. But I don't see MSG as this hollowed ground other than a site of the cool things that have happened there, which having having been there post renovations, like there are parts of it where, man, they really poorly designed some of the stuff that's in that arena. I'm not shy about it. Like, I'll tell that to James Dolan's face. Well, I would tell a lot of things to James Dolan's face and I would probably slap him. Probably something that like comes up for people like for me being from Maryland and being in uh, a pretty diehard O's fan like Camden Yards is like the Mecca for me like that's the place to be right but like then people come to town who are used to these iconic Wrigley Field and these these iconic parks and they're like oh this is nothing comparatively because it doesn't have the history of it but <laughs> But then I get to laugh in their face because fuck off. You have to go back to Wrigley Field. Listen, Camden Yards is a beautiful stadium. It is aesthetically beautiful. It is built within the neighborhood. It is part of the city's landscape. Not it, It's not an eyesore that takes up and takes over the landscape. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why I love Camden Yards. I wish more clubs and baseball would design stadiums like that. But, man, MSG is built in not the greatest part of town. Uh, the, the media entrance and exits of the stadium is also not the greatest part of New York. <laughs> I can st- I can distinctly remember after that game getting approached by a couple of guys who I thought they were going to jump me, but they instead wanted me to resolve an argument with them. And I wasn't sure if that was a prelude to them jumping me or not. <laughs> but I worked that game. I was supposed to be the intermission host. I was supposed to be the third voice. I was bringing the equipment and I get a text from James earlier in the day that, hey, the two guys can't make it. You're flying solo tonight. Was this freshman year? Yeah, this was my first ever solo game. So no pressure, kid. You're flying solo for the first time in your life, and you're doing it in front of a packed house for a game that means a lot of things to a lot of people. In Madison Square Garden. Yeah, in MSG, which is where so many cool events have happened before. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, great. The weight of history is falling on a 19-year-old kid's shoulders. Awesome. 
<laughs> Man, I, I was shaking nervous that night. I, I really was shaking nervous about just, am I going to say the wrong thing? Are the microphones plugged in? Am I too loud? Is the game too much? Uh, am I actually on air or not? <laughs> like for the, for yeah, most of the yeah. first period, the only thing I could really think of was, am I on air or not? Well, yeah, because I guess you had all the uh, production behind the scenes things to take care of as the only person as well. Yeah, I was the I was the guy. I was the tech crew. I was the voice. I was the breakdown crew. I was one. I was a show of one. And sure. I look back on that night very fondly through my life and career as sort of just the trial by fire. And I survived. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a hell of a first run, man. Yeah, that was that was an amazing, like, really first time through. And I think that game gave me a lot of street cred through the sports, the the little student community we had of announcers. Everybody understood that I walked into what felt like it, what seemed to them like an impossible task of doing it on your own. And I was like, nah, I was I was ready for this. Nice. Yeah. So where'd you go from there? So from there, uh, it was onwards to doing more games. It, that game really got me to do kind of everything else at the university. That got me to doing men's hockey games a lot earlier than most freshmen get to do them. Nice. Uh, that got me to doing softball later in the year as the seasons were winding down. That got me to Hockey East conference games for the women's ice hockey team, which at the time was a lot better than our men's team. So it got me to doing more games and doing more important games, but also being trusted to take the reins as the primary voice. Is hockey the number one sport at Boston University? Yes. Uh, undisputed, yes. Yeah. Hockey for sure is the number one sport with, I think, uh, with base with basketball being a close second only because if the team wins the Patriot League tournament, it goes to the NCAA March Madness tournament. Yeah. So basketball definitely does get attention when the team is good, but frequently the team is a mid a mid to top level team in the Patriot League. And the only time they won the Patriot League in the last couple of years was 2020 when the tournament didn't happen. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So that was that was really upsetting to see because I was really I was really happy for some of the guys that were on that team because I had gotten to know a lot of them from interviews and other events and other things that had happened. And I was really hoping for some of them to just have that last ride, and they never got the chance. It has just dawned on me that you are young as shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when were you there? <laughs> uh, so I was I'm, – I'm 26 right now, okay. and I graduated yeah. from BU in 2019. Okay. And then I think in the middle of my time at BU, uh, there were severe cuts at Disney's ESPN division. And by severe cuts, I mean they were cutting everybody across the board on on-air talent. And that yes. really scared, uh, yeah. that really Mike, scared Mike, me. Mike and Mike ended around 2019, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, Mike and Mike was ending. Uh, Ed Werder, that was the first time he got cut. Uh, they cut they cut, uh, they cut Clayton. I'm forgetting his first name. Oh, uh, and, yeah, the guy that recently he passed away, right? With yeah, the, the guy that recently passed. He did that famous commercial where the, the, the Slayer, the Slayer T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was that was so good. <laughs> yeah, that that guy. So they, they, they cut him and they brought him back later, but they cut him then. And I, when I saw that some of the bigger names at ESPN were getting cut, I 
had to seriously start thinking about what if this doesn't pan out? What if nobody hires me out of college? So that started a sort of informal inquiry into what is my postgraduate life going to be like? And that led me to law school. So that led me to thinking about where to go for law school, what to study, uh, how does law school work? And a lot of that was drilled into me from my dad's father, my grandfather. Uh, He was the attorney of the family. He was head of the Maryland Bar's Grievance Commission for a long time. And he had a, a very successful practice in his life. And he always, always, always asked me, Max, what are you going to law school? You'd make a great lawyer. <laughs> and I, I would sort of brush it off like, ah, Grandpa, thank, sorry, but that's not happening. Uh, but in 2018, his health started to take a turn for the worse. Uh, cancer was getting to him. And I knew that any trip home might have been the last time I saw him. So in February of 2018 was when I told him that I was considering law school. And you should have seen his face, man. You really should have seen his eyes light up at that notion that I was going to be carrying on his legacy. Uh, That was the last time I saw him because he died in March of 2018, the morning after I had worked as a I worked as a radio, I worked sort of behind the scenes production for the BU uh, NCAA tournament game the previous night against, I believe, Michigan, if I'm remembering right. But that morning I woke up to a phone call that everybody gets at one point, but nobody wants that this is the last time and we're send, we're finding you a plane ticket to get you home tonight. So I come home for the funeral And I make a promise at Shiva to a room full of all my grandfather's friends, many of whom are also attorneys, that here it is. I'm going. I'm going to do this. And you can't tell a room full of attorneys you're going to do something and then not do it, right? Yeah. So I I basically ride, ride out my senior year as really the last ride. And I enjoyed every game. I really did make an effort to enjoy the moments that I was part of, uh, the goals, the the moments, the even even the crazier moments. I I remember a lot of odd moments about that. Like the one time I absolutely ripped into an officiating crew on a specific men's game against UMass Amherst, and I was not having it with these officials. Like it was an unsafe game. Nobody on the ice was safe with the inherent refusal to call the rule book as it was standing. So to be part of those moments, to remember as much of it as I did, it was a concentrated effort to do so because I knew this might not be, this might not ever happen again. I might not do this again. And then law school comes around and I sort of go away for three years. And then, you know, COVID hits in the middle of that and half of law school's online because we, we have to, we have to keep, we have to keep going. Can't stop. The teaching. Yeah. Ugh. It's still like the wildest several years of everybody's life right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I, I'm sure you guys have your stories of how the pandemic affected you and your jobs. But for law school especially, one of the jokes going around the University of Miami community was that we had subscribed to the world's most expensive streaming service. <laughs> and it's not that wrong. I mean, we all, we, all of our classes were delivered virtually – Uh, All of our papers had to be submitted online. All of our exams had to be done from home. 
which personally I enjoy taking exams from the comfort of my my bedroom, my one bedroom apartment because I just had to sit. My bathroom was like right behind me. If I needed to go, all I had to do was walk 20 feet and I was there. I didn't have to deal with a room full of 50 other anxious people. I just was just there on my own. Yeah, and it was kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, I think COVID brought a lot of uh, unique changes. Even the streaming platform, we're using StreamYard. This this all did not exist before COVID. I know Zencaster was a COVID invention, so there is a, there is some good that came about. But but continue on. Uh, let, let's let's keep keep listening here. So I think with with my performative nature, I always like to talk through a lot of the things. I like to talk through notes. I like to talk through and figure out problems by talking. And as both of you can see, I speak with my hands. It's it's a very it's a very me thing. So through law school, uh, one of the things that they'll hammer into your heads is outline, outline, outline. You need to get your notes down to understandable chunks. You need to be able to recall all of it because your exams might not be open book. Your exams are going to be difficult. Your professors will ask you to remember a lot. So instead of making a traditional paper outline that, frankly, I found boring and unhelpful, I created study podcasts where I would really perform the cases as just myself. I would invent characters and I'd invent dialogue and I'd try to make it as fun as I can. Because you can only read Miranda versus Arizona a few times if you're a law student. But if you reenact the chase, if you reenact the arrest suddenly things really start to click in your head of, oh, this is why the Supreme Court decided this, or this is why the dissent believed that. So I would create these things, and some friends would ask for the links afterward, and by the time my third year came around, everybody wanted them. Huh. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it, cool it, as shit. A lot of it is just finding the way that you learn, and for me, performance is how I learn. I don't I learn as well by reading. I don't learn as well by writing. I learn by performing and doing. And mm -hmm. I knew that from years in college. I knew that from years as an actor, that the only way I would learn anything was by getting up and talking about it. And for law school, for me, I still had the equipment that I used to broadcast. So I just trotted it out, plugged it into my computer and ran for several hours before my voice got hoarse. And then would you just yeah just listen back to it and then you're uh, listening yeah, and learning that the cute. best the best part about it was I could actually go places and do things but still be studying because it was basically a podcast in my head yeah all I had to do was just throw it on and I was I could exercise I could take a shower and just have my Bluetooth speakers going I could drive somewhere I could go I could go out and do things but still have it in my car when I got back or be on my headphones as I walked around the beaches. It was still it was still really cool to be able to go out and do things. I shouldn't I shouldn't be saying this, but I I uh, I would play Madden a lot with the volume off and I would just be listening to myself on repeat as I as I was throwing touchdowns and doing sacks. But I would be listening to me and I'd be studying. That's mm -hmm. yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. You study yeah, how, I, however you learn. I say to my students all the time: if you find a way that works for you, it doesn't matter what it looks like to anybody else. Thank you. No, Somebody who doesn't gets matter it. at all. I shouldn't say this out loud, but I uh, put soccer on in the background while I work. Just 
almost every single day. There's always oh, it's a, I mean, so it's talking about the talking about the pandemic when when shit popped off in 2020 in March, they sent all the teachers home. Max, I don't know if you know this. I teach middle school. They sent I, us home and oh, they said, "Oh, oh, you, you teach middle school? Wow, that hasn't come up in any other conversation or any other episode." <laughs> Wow, what, the, what a revelatory yeah, an listener here, apparently. Damn. You, you caught all the uh, – the I forgot that he does his research. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, probably knows story. he probably knows what lesson I'm teaching tomorrow. <laughs> so um, we we roll out and they say, like, you're not coming back. All you got to do is post daily assignments for the students. Within a week, I knew the kids weren't logging in. So I won so many goddamn Super Bowls during the end of the 2020 or the 2019, 2020 school year, I was into like 2028 NFL season by the end of that year. Okay. And odd question, but in, then when we your, rolled in odd question here in your yeah. seasons, did the, did the chargers move to Sacramento? <laughs> yes. Oh, that happened in my game too. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, charges, so the like then moved we moved to Sacramento and became the Sacramento Miners. Mm. We move into yeah. we move into uh, the 2020-2021 school year, and like you were saying about everything being online, I felt like Dora the Explorer. I would sit and like I can see the two of you right now. I would just see the icons. None of my kids turned their cameras on, and I didn't want to see into their homes. I didn't want to know what the hell they were doing. My friend teaches and he, a kid unmuted his camera and in the background, his mom was the kid's mom was naked. So (laughs) I didn't want any cameras on. You don't need to turn them on. So I looked at myself for an entire school year, just talking to nothingness. I'm sorry, Alex, my my lawyer brain is going off of, if that's recorded, is, is that considered something it shouldn't be? What's the copyright implications of this? Trust me. We, we all talked about it. We all had to analyze it that year. It was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds horrible. So let's pick you back up with our next question. So we talked about history of sports, history of broadcasting. Uh, What led you to the Bobcats at this point in your career? And uh, what are your thoughts so far on the club after your first, uh, what is it? Three home, three home matches, four home matches. Uh, Actually, is it open cup? No, this is four. If if we don't, if we include the open cup, it's four, I think. Yeah. All right. So my, my life took a turn after I graduated from law school. So in the months leading up to graduation, I had broken up with my now ex-girlfriend who we had been dating for about a year plus at that point, and things just were not working out. Uh, I graduate from law school. I think, all right, I'm going to study for the bar. I'm going to be fully focused. I'm going to be ready to go. And I fell into rock bottom, man. Like, I really don't know how many people out there are struggling with anxiety or depression or other mental health related issues, but I fell pretty damn hard. And I'm not afraid to admit that I needed help. I needed a lot of help, and I really thank my parents a lot for swooping in really to rescue me when I needed them because my life had fallen apart there. I was in I was in a mental mess. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was doing. And it really did feel like things were 
not going to get better. So thankfully, after some lengthy conversations with my mom and dad, even roping in my brother to help out, uh, I moved back home to Maryland to continue studying. I took the Florida bar in Tampa and I passed, which was great. Problem was the remote job that I had been working, that we'd been talking about an extension, we'd been talking about staying on full time and what my what my role would be. They call me on a Wednesday in October and say, I'm sorry, but we don't have the money to keep you. So that sucked a lot. Uh, in the in an unrelated story, a, a few weeks later, uh, I went back up to Boston to visit family and to sort of be around the area again. I hadn't been there in a while. And it, it felt like the universe was talking to me when I was up there. So I had gone to school with a guy named Matt Doherty, and he and I were classmates at BU. The first play-by-play game I ever worked was with him as my color analyst. And we were both fresh-eyed freshmen at BU. He had never worked a hockey game in his life, and I had never met him before that day. So worked out great in the end. Uh, but we're standing on the train platform ready to go to the Bruins game that night against Detroit. And Matt Doherty walks down the darn train platform. And it's as if I had never left Boston because we just started talking the entire train ride to the game. And it really felt like the universe was trying to tell me something by sending me to Boston and having this incredibly positive experience that I need to come back, that I need to return to the city that gave me my education. I need to return to the city that gave me my first chance with a professional team in the Boston Blades. I need to come back to where I feel like I belong. So I dropped everything looking for a job. I started applying to take the uniform bar exam, which is accepted in Massachusetts as well as Maryland and 29 other places. And I took that in February and I had, I just received word back in April that I passed that as well. But in the intervening month between taking the exam in February and finding out when I, if, when I pass, if at all, I started looking for work. And that included looking at law firms, looking at businesses, looking at sports teams. And this random email comes through that this team I'd never heard of, the Maryland Bobcats, are looking for a broadcaster. So I figured, why the heck not? So I threw my resume in. I sent a demo tape. And within a day, Kalen Hicks, the operations manager, reached out and wanted to interview me. So we sat for an interview and I, it's funny, my, my demo tape is hosted on SoundCloud and I can actually tell how many people listen to what track and who listens to what. Uh-huh. So I knew exactly what he listened to before the interview happened. I knew he had listened to two of my favorite moments and we had a great interview and a couple weeks later uh, I was ready to go. So I had started researching the team already. I had done a little bit of work on uh, Flower City Union, which was the first team. 
as well as orienting myself with what is this league? How long has it been around? Who are these players? Where did they come from? So uh, many questions. So, so I had so many questions because I absolutely I'm a, I'm a, no I'm a, answers. No, of course not. I mean, not a I single so fucking answer. I'm going to ask both of you. You've, you've heard me call games when you watch games back. How many soccer games do you think I've worked prior to working for the Bobcats? After talking to you, I can like and listening back to some things, I can tell the only thing that made me say that you were fresh into into soccer as a sport was the games that you know so well you were like screaming everything. Like some of those later like I listened yeah. back to some of those SoundCloud bits, you like going off of, on some of those calls. Yeah. So that's the only thing, but like Every game you get more and more excited. It's been a ton of fun to watch, man. So I had only called one soccer game prior to working for the Bobcats. One. And it was a random Wednesday women's soccer game between BU and Harvard that I only remember ended one nothing because I predicted it would end one nothing, and I was right by the end of it. <laughs> so... I, I only worked one, so I had to really understand the rhythm of the sport. I had to understand the the linguistics of the sport, of how to talk about the game from an American's perspective, how to talk about it from a global perspective, how to understand it in a global marketplace, how to did, understand did you it. Did soccer at all before the gig, really, or is this really so, your first introduction to the soccer in general? This is my first introduction to this level of soccer. I had wa- I've watched Premier League. I had watched Major League Soccer before those. I'll just say it before those idiots at the league offices said to take it off television and put it behind a giant paywall that I'm not yeah, interested in paying for. It, no, you know? no, no. Don't worry. The paywall. They're already taking that paywall down because yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people yeah. paid for it. And <laughs> wow, what a surprise! You make Perfect content hard to wall. access. People just stop buying it. Yeah. <laughs> So I had, I had watched Premier League. I had watched uh, a, lot of, a lot of higher level teams. I had watched the World Cup pretty much every year that I can remember it happening. Uh, but I had never watched lower tier soccer. And this was my first introduction, not just to the style of play being potentially a little bit more aggressive, a lot less structured, and a lot more reliant on... <laughs> a lot more reliant on individual brilliance, even though the brilliance may not be there on a regular basis. But I had been aware of the game. I had listened intently to soccer broadcasts from like Champions League and Premier League and World Cup events. So I was used to the higher levels of the game where commentary, at least in the English language, is a lot about not getting in the way of the moment. I noticed that with English language commentary and soccer is that a lot of it is just don't get in the way of the moment. Don't trample on it. Let it breathe. Whereas if I listen to Spanish language commentary, it is gold and all this incredibly fast paced, rich linguistic fervor to it that I much prefer the Spanish commentary games, even if I can only understand every few words or every few phrases. Because it is more my style. More, There's my been style a few clubs. Comes from, yeah, my style comes from ice hockey, where you need to be on it at all times because the puck is always moving and the players are always changing. 
So you'd need to yeah. be ready at any given moment for anybody on the ice, in hockey's case, to be part of the story. I'd say there's probably some crossover between hockey and soccer. So when I, when the, I Google yeah, view, the, the, co- like, the constant the constant motion, I think, is really the main yeah. driving figure with both of those sports. It's constantly moving, but with calling soccer, it's a lot more like trying to describe jazz in real time. Hmm. Exactly. There's, there's structure, but there's also brilliance and improvisation. But you need to know the words as it's happening. To sort of quote what Alex Sutton said in that interview a couple of weeks ago, like you go in with a plan, but like, fuck it, let's vibe it out and just see how it goes. Sounds about right. Like, like they, they're so talking. That's one of the reasons like I've been, my goal is to get my wife interested in the sport in the way that I love it. And like, just taking her to events and she's like seeing live stuff. She's like, Oh shit, this is much cooler than when we watch it on TV. And you're trying to listen to this person, try to explain it. Whereas like even watching some of the MLS matches, there's just, there's so much dead space that, that it, that can be there. And like listening back to your broadcast, there's, there's so little dead space found. And that's a lot of it is a philosophical difference mm-hmm. between myself and other English language soccer commentators. I mm-hmm. don't like listening to a soccer game or a football match that has a lot of dead space. I like having descriptions of the players, the tactics, uh, the field conditions, the weather, uh, other stuff that's happened over the course of the game. I like hearing that because it draws me in. So that's more of a philosophical difference. I, I Again, I really do respect what Arlo White and other English language commentators have done to bring the game to the United States. I just don't agree with having that much dead space. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's an interesting take. But I also I – did, I did love some of your goal calls for uh, hockey. Sure I got me wondering I'm sure about you them. did. Well, you know, there's one Googleable moment, but I'm sure you have have many others that that, that are memorable to you. But let let ask me ask you. that question when we get to it. I've got Which a one? question queued up for that. Let me let me ask that question when we get to it. What the nor'easters winner? No, 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 no. The 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 call. The call, sure, yes. But first, I yeah. want to ask about. It's yeah. so sad that I know exactly what you're referring to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's Googleable. If you if you Google Max Walpoff, you'll you'll see see it on there. So Facts. knock yourself out, folks. But I wanted to ask. Uh, so so I don't think Kalen or maybe you like the levels were a little off in the first couple of games. So when you were screaming, especially during the nor'easters stoppage time winner, like what was said, I'm sure I'm sure it was. A, a very good call, honestly. Okay, so I'll put it this way. Uh, the equipment issues were more me going over the microphone. Okay. So I was not used to a software system that the Bobcats use to run their games through sure. our partners, 11 Sports, where I'm used to having the ability to blast through the microphone and just sort of have the software take care of it yeah. and bring it down as it's needed. This software did not do that. And listening back to those first two games that I worked, I noticed it only after the fact that ah, my epic yells aren't coming through because I'm too loud for the game, which is part of what I tried to correct for the Club De Leon game was to purposefully go a little bit lower in the register. 
uh, for the Ocean bad, City. Though, I feel like that's part of the style, you know, like I, a big old I, I, yeah. I know, and that, that's part of why I think for the next home game, I'll be bringing my own equipment to at least do, to at least have a little bit more control over that from sure. my end. Uh, for the Ocean City game specifically, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, game goes to extra time, corner kick in the last minute. Uh, the substitute that comes on to score the goal, Philip Brown. So me being me, I had not, I had not really been prepared for such a moment to happen so early in the season. It was such a. Good, I'm getting goosebumps a little bit. It was such a good goal. So such to see, goal. so what I remember, I remember it very well actually because I've I've watched it back now several times, and the corner comes in, and I remember just thinking it it and it's in the box and the ball hits the net and I'm going into shock. Like, Oh my God, we're not going to penalty. So like, and it's in the goal. <laughs> the reason I'm holding it as long as I do. And the reason it goes blasting through as much as it does is I'm scanning the roster sheet to find out who is this guy that scores. You can't get this wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was a substitute too. Yeah, yeah it was he, he immediately was, clear. Was sure. his, de- his debut for the team. Mm-hmm. I could not get the name wrong, and I'm I'm very happy that Philip Brown had as exuberant a, a run as he did, and was like big Perfect. moving it into the bench. And I'm more thankful that at one point he actually turned just enough that I could see the number on his jersey and scan the roster sheet of that's the guy that scored. Ah, he was a sub. Awesome. The super sub, Philip Brown. (laughs) And like when I do those long goal calls, a lot of that is me scanning the roster sheet to find who actually got the last tap. It could be hard to see too. I I, I know uh, watching live from the stand, the Bobcats are my first experience really following the club along. It's hard to, to, find who was subbed in and what position like it's not well not easy to do being there it's it's so much harder on especially a corner kick to see who got the last touch because there are so many bodies Mm, i'm thankful that philip was at least easy to point out of i know it's you but i don't know your name yeah and and with kit numbers on soccer kits there's they tend to be so either so poorly colored comparatively with the color of the kit, don't or they're started. so or they're not. They don't pop enough. Or wasn't the small. first game the Flower City Union game have everybody have had different numbers? numbers? Yeah, so that was part of it. Uh, the kits were Holy from Christ. what I remember the old NPSL uh, jerseys. Yep. So. Going through those, I had to redo some of my notes on the fly of this number means this today or this number means that today. And the worst part for especially for someone visually trained to look at a number and know right away who that is, I had to retrain who I was looking for on the fly. And thankfully – Thankfully, really, uh, Flower City's uniforms, I find them. Oh, their numbers are gigantic. Yeah, they're fine. Their numbers are great. Their numbers, the are, their are numbers and names are gigantic and in Comic Sans. <laughs> and they're, but they're legible. Yeah. They're legible uniforms, which is all I ever ask of any uniform makers. Just make your names and numbers legible. You can do whatever and the heck you want with the colors. 
and mini rants stop using fucking foil lettering on the back of your kit's ass. <laughs> I Fuck I, foil lettering. It, I'm it. sure it, I'm sure it looks great hanging up on a store shelf, but from a hundred feet away when I'm trying Jesus. to figure out who you are, I can't tell. <laughs> I can't. That and then even Such worse, Max, players. the first the first match I ever went to at, at, at Maryland, it was their first home match in, in NISA. The team they were playing, San Diego 1904, their names. Now, now the Albion. Uh, oh, yeah. The, and they were peeling that. off. Oh, no. Like there were players that half their name was gone when they came onto the pitch. Well, that's not good. Yeah, that was a uh, it was not fun for anybody involved. Yeah, okay, I so I, I, got, here, I definitely got spoiled with ice hockey because the names are stitched on. And I definitely yeah. got spoiled with that for many years with both BU and with the Blades. So we got two more quick ones because we're getting we're at about fifty minutes here, and we want to give we want to give the chance to do some rants. We always end the the podcast with a rant, so we'll let oh, you get a chance in there. But uh, so here are our final two. Quick one here: Who are the top three guys that you've grown to love watching so far on the Bobcats. Okay. I was about to ask on the Bobcats. All right. Um, for as much as he does, everybody like my, else <laughs> for as much as he doesn't like my school. I love Alex Sutton. He's an incredible keeper, very sure. calm back there. Very easy to watch. Very easy to understand. Very sure of himself when he comes out to play a ball. And I really think that he's a calming force back there. You guys did a great interview with him, but my one bone of contention is not everybody who went to Boston University is a jerk. Please <laughs> That's give right. us a chance. Yeah, call that you guys specifically as a yeah, it's just a team like, he did not like. I, forget man, I, I can understand if you didn't like some of the people on the soccer team itself. I can understand that because you are on the field. I'm not. I'm not experiencing what you're experiencing. I'm not trying to invalidate any of what he experienced, but man, don't just paint the school with a broad brush dude i i'm here too <laughs> and he is so he is pure class and calmness unless you do a triple back handspring in front of him that i yeah, have we'll come I back to that thoughts. we'll come back to that one okay so, so alex alex sutton's on your top three yeah alex sutton is on my top three because he's so he's so easy to watch and easy to like as a goalkeeper uh if i'm to pick somebody from the rest of the field richard forka is another favorite of mine. He's a very calming force back there. I really think that if there's somebody on the back line who can clean up any mess he gets in, it is him. He's yeah. very good at yeah. getting back. He's very good at his explosive speed. Of If he gets beaten, he'll sprint and finish the play before he gives up a goal. Yeah. He's, uh, uh, he's a hell of a force back there getting back on the ball. That's new this season. Last season, he had some toughness with uh, with giving up with giving up movement and then not getting back for it. And he's really he's uh, done some work in the off season. You can tell. He also played right back a lot last year, which they yeah. moved him into the center this year. Which I think it's a better fit for him. And uh, oh man, this is I, I don't know whether to go with the easiest answer of the goal scorer, Darwin. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's the thing. Season, but uh, the thing is, the favorite players to watch. Like, I still think James Feilerman. I, I really think Jimmy's got a great. He's all like, over the field. He's all over. He the was field. Like, forward he, so he, many he, times he sorta, this past game. He reminds me of a lot of Andrew Robertson for Liverpool. 
where he he'll jump up into the attack and just start pulling crosses in. He'll he'll run around defenders on the touchline. He's very good at keeping balls in and making sure that he's not the last one to touch it if it has to go out. Yeah. Uh, he reminds me a lot of a of a Andrew Robertson of this level. He's very calm in doing his job and the the incredible stunt he pulled in the US Open Cup third round game, nutmegging the guy for Pittsburgh. Yeah, that was shit. that was very cheeky. Oh Holy man, that was shit. that was very fun. He had a he had a couple of those like stop tap movements in the game against uh Michigan mm-hmm. that are just so much fun. I love when he's on the close side of the field. He does yeah. so many little tiny things that are just so incredible. So okay, again, so it, it's it's no it's no secret that the people that I like the most on the team are also guests of this show. <laughs> like again, I I'll encourage any player on the Bobcats come onto this show. You're not listen just to your own, him. You're Darwin. not just helping your own brand. You're not Darwin. Just helping listen to Max. You're helping yourself because the more I know about you, the more I know about you as a person, the more I know about your journey the more I'm going to understand what informs you as a player rather than just being a name with a number running around on a field of grass. Well, shit, that's some deep shit, man. I, well, so accurate too. that's it, some, exi- uh, that's some and existential it, broadcasting. It gets a lot of listens too. Honestly, when the players come on, it's uh, the most downloaded of shows. So yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. That, that doesn't surprise me. People no, want to hear from just, pros. Of course. Just wait till this show drops. Gonna be wild. <laughs> I mean, we can go a little over tonight too because I wouldn't mind double clicking on the Michigan match. Yeah, we really touched on it but, much. Um, um, real quick, the last question we have for you, then we're going to talk about Michigan, and then okay. we're going to dig into some rants. Did, I know where this is going. Did anything change for you, work wise or life wise, after that beautiful call for that Natalie Flynn goal in extra right. time? So let me let me back up and introduce this. Um, it is December tenth of two thousand and sixteen, and I'll bring you guys into my dorm room at this point. I don't want to go to this game. I, it is one of those. I am in the middle of a dispute at this point with station management. There are a lot of things going on in the back room that you don't need to know, and frankly, is unimportant to the story. But I was thinking about quitting the radio station and just being done with broadcasting altogether that day. (laughs) But I felt in my bones that you've been assigned to this game. You have a job to do. You're going to go do it. You're going to do it well. And then you're going to figure out your future. The previous day, BU had been trounced by Minnesota 5-1. to And there was no reason to suspect that the team was going to come out blazing the way they did. But I brought the equipment. I'm set up at... So the arena that BU's women's hockey team plays games at is an old arena. It doesn't have a central press box where you're over the center ice. It has end zone press boxes where the main one, the main press box is is over the end zone where BU shoots twice. The auxiliary press box, which is where I was stationed, is over where BU shoots once on a normal game. So... I, I'm sitting there. I'm waiting for my play-by-play guy because I'm not supposed to be the main voice of the game. Someone else is, and he doesn't show. So, but because I have the equipment, I'm like, all right, we're going live, and I'm going to be flying solo again. 
So you may have noticed this is kind of a theme for some of my bigger moments where I'm just I'm just the guy that's available. And I start the I start off the show and it's like we're missing our top scorer that night, Rebecca Leslie, who have been battling injuries, trying to get back into the lineup. And I'm thinking, all right, we're about to get trounced again by the number two team in the country who has two people who will go on to the Olympics uh, in 2018. And the game opens and suddenly BU's up to nothing. And then Minnesota crawls back. BU goes ahead for two with a goal from uh, a transfer student from Minnesota, as well as a goal from the team captain, Natalie Flynn. That was the first time she had scored a goal in over a year. And I'm I'm flipping out at this point because it's like, ah, oh, this is the most fun game I could possibly have. This is the last game before the semester's over. Kind of empty the damn tank. <laughs> and Minnesota scores to tie it at five within, I think, the last two minutes on the power play. The game's going to overtime. My voice is dying. I, I am slowly, absolutely out of gas. I don't know if I have anything left for an OT winner. And to go even further back in my history, uh, when I was a mere reporter, I had covered the South Carolina Stingrays, which were the ECHL affiliate of the Washington Capitals for a time. And one of the first games, one of the first games I remember watching was a triple overtime winner featuring Joe Devon as the winner of as the guy who scored the overtime game winner against the Toledo Walleye. And I remember the guy's name, Joseph Zakshevsky, who was who then went on to be the voice of the Rockford Ice Hogs and the Ontario Reign. His call of that was Joe Devon, Joe Devon, Joe Devon, the Stingrays win in triple overtime. And here we are in overtime. Uh, BU's longtime head coach, Brian DeRocher, sends out really more of a defensive specialist's line for an offensive zone faceoff. I can still picture the play in my head because I'm, I'm standing right over it because this is overtime. So BU is shooting at the same end that they shoot at for the second period, which is where I'm situated. So I'm in the perfect spot to watch not just the play develop, but watch who scores it which from the opposite end of the ice where I would have normally been stationed, I would not have seen it. So play, ha- play happens, develops very fast. Flynn is in front of the net. She gets a quick pass in front from Natasha Tarnowski and Flynn just buries it immediately. So I am emptying the tank. This is me hell of a game. Emptying, this is me emptying the tank. And at this point, if you haven't paused this podcast, Go onto YouTube, type my name in, just, just find it. Flynn wins this one back when Tarnowski pushes it for Crossley, and she'll just ring it around the boards trying to kill off a little bit of time. Flynn and Tarnowski working with it. Tarnowski gets it behind the net. Tarnowski lets it for Flynn. Flynn scores! Natalie Flynn! Natalie Flynn! Natalie Flynn! Good morning! Good afternoon! And good night, Minnesota! Natalie Flynn, the captain, with a multi-goal game! I have lost my voice in excitement! The Terriers take this one! 6-5 in the overtime! Okay, so, but I'm emptying the tank in part because this is the last game of the semester and I'm trying to have as much fun as I can. And... I when I say in the call I'm I have lost my voice in excitement that was real 
that was me just being me for a second. I really had lost my voice and I had lost it a long time ago throughout the course of the game. But my life didn't change until two days later when to take you further into things, uh, I had, I was walking out of an exam and I, my phone was off, thankfully. Because when I turned my phone on, I had several missed calls, dozens of missed texts, at least a few hundred social media notifications that this had suddenly blown up overnight. Because somebody, I still don't know who, and it's also not important to the story, edited the call to the, to the video feed. And that was the one that everybody wanted to have through the course of it. I had, I still don't know who did the edit and honestly, it's not important, but my life changed a lot that day. Uh, I, I, I had interview requests for uh, Greg Wyshynski's blog. I had interview requests for NHL network. Uh, NBC sports wanted to talk to me. I had interview requests for uh, Matt Vaskersian's show on MLB network hot stove. He wanted to talk to me because he was such a big fan of the call and a lot of it is really thanks to Barstool, which is a website that prior to coming to college, I had no idea existed. And they they helped push me to be famous for some reason. And I, honestly, I was the flavor of the day on the Internet for at least a week. That's awesome. It was really funny. Like some, So many of these clips just got recycled by a lot of aggregators who saw, hey, this thing is going viral, write about it. And – like a Swiss outlet had picked it up. Uh, some outlets out in Minnesota picked it up as, and it was really cool for me because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Steve Dangle podcast. And those are, those guys are hardcore Toronto Maple Leafs fans, but I love Steve for what he's done as making his life out of being a hockey fan. And they played my call on the air when they did their show and they started their show and it was really rewarding to me to hear some of my idols, people that I look up to people whose show I still listen to, to this day to talk about me in such a way. It was really surreal. So that, that lasted a week. And from there it's, it's become a meme as it were, but I don't know how familiar you guys are with, uh, with the band Eagles. But the guitarist Joe Walsh, uh, he, he was, so <laughs> I, I recently saw him at a concert and before playing the song Life's Been Good, which is his one big solo hit, he yeah. said, and I quote, if I knew I would be playing this song for the rest of my life, I would have written something else. <laughs> and honestly, that rings true, because if I knew prior to that overtime, this this goal call, no matter who scores, is going to be what everyone talks to you about for going on almost seven years at this point. I might have done something different. It might have not have been as authentic. I might have prepared something. But I think the fact that it was genuine, that it was in the moment, that it was heartfelt, that is really what made it so good. That's really what made it so appealable to a lot of people and that's really what's had the staying power of that viral moment all these years later and it's a great conversation starter because i can 
tell people that legitimately that I went viral at one time. Yeah, not many people could say that, man. <laughs> I I know, and, and and I had that experience when I was twenty one. Mm. Man, I'm I'm a young guy, but I've done some cool stuff in this wacky, weird world we call sports, and I'm very thankful for pretty much all of it. And we're uh, yeah, I mean, we're so thankful to have you coming in here and having all that experience and being and the worst I'm, of the I'm thankful for you guys because as fans of the team, you care. And this is why I do this work. I do this work to help people care about the teams that I am working for, the leagues that I cover, the teams that I broadcast for. I do this to help people care because I really think that at the core of humanity, we need to come back to that sense of community and being good and being good people to each other and being around something that we can care about. Sport is a great way to do that. And if I can bring people in, if I can draw people into a team or help people believe in a player or help draw interest to a league, then honestly, my job is done. Because if I can bring people and bring eyeballs into what we're doing, then it's a job well done any night of the week. Yeah, I mean, I think a, I think a good call on a Great goal makes a big difference in terms of uh, shareability of highlights and everything as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So thank you for doing it. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. I, I appreciate you guys. All right. So you want to talk about the Michigan Stars real quick? I don't know if anyone has to go. It's getting kind of late here on the East Coast, 10, 10 20. Okay. Let's roll this. Let's roll this quick m- m- situation here. So, in the most Michigan Stars of Michigan Stars matches, um, the Cats held the boys, ha- held Michigan off for, what, 80 minutes? minutes? Yeah. What was 75, it? something like that. Yeah, around there. And then a, <laughs> a just a, a poor touch in the box led to a, just a, a rip shot from, uh, who was it, Popov? <clears throat> Popovich. Or, Popovich, Popov is the is the, 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 uh, the vodka, the vodka the that makes me sad. Vodka, yes. <laughs> the 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 vodka that makes me sad. Yeah, um, you should, no one should drink Popov as an adult. I mean, your nail polish. It, it was one of those situations where, after watching Maryland go at their net for 75, 80 minutes, whatever it was, like it wasn't even a situation of I was fucking angry. It was like, God damn it, there goes the Michigan Stars again. Yeah, like, I mean, that's I what, what those guys do. Stats, we, we, we texted about this earlier. I wonder what those possession stats were because it did feel like we had the ball a hell of a lot. We had some good opportunities. I forget who hit it off the bar. Yeah, um, Bustamante missed a really good chance. That guy is point. a fucking spark plug. Now, man. I love watching him run because he's so explosive. I really he, think that Iker's got a great speed. And he had an amazing goal against Club de Leon that I still look back on sometimes and think, how did he pull that off to go around the guys that he did? Oh, dude, I was on the far side of the pitch for that. Yeah, I remember. And watching him cut off and then cut back on the dude and then cut back the other direction again, I was fucking flabbergasted at the movement of that kid. He's so fast he, he, and he is he did, light he did, on his feet. He came, he came so close to another beautiful strike against Michigan and it just missed. It was one of those agonizingly close moments where you think what yeah. could have been because I think that strike would have tied the game. 
Because that didn't go upwards. That didn't go upwards or outwards. That went straight back out. Yeah. So that hit the post straight on or flush. I mean, who was the? um, So we had a number nine replacement come in right before the goals. T H O M. How do you say that, Max? Oh, Malik Tom. Malik Tom. Malik Tom. I thought you just the the H is silent. Apparently, gotcha. Yeah, that's that's what I've been. That's what I've been told. Yeah, Yeah, if that's that's wrong, Malik, please correct me. (laughs) He's done some time on the field. He's he's a big dude too. I thought he came on and just provided a lot of yeah. a lot of energy. I thought Caleb maybe didn't have his best game. Maybe he's got some pressure going on. And uh, watch uh, out when Caleb gets his first. Yes, yeah, that guy. Be awesome. That's, that's guy. That guy scored over twenty goals in one season in community college play. When Caleb gets his first, watch out, everybody. That guy's yeah. dangerous. He's just got to I mean, get one. He plays. I'm happy he starts still too. I think he does a lot, a lot of good I, things in the field. He's a great target man. He's got nice hold of play as a number nine. So don't get me I wrong. I was a little bummed. Um, I love seeing Sam Solomon. Um, Always. Really, I really, really, and and if anybody from the teams listening to this, I really want to see Nicholas Lakita or Lakilia Le- on the field. Lakilia. He, dude, that kid was wild in college. He is going to be a hell of a guy on the field. Um, I'm so excited to see Caleb get his first. It just – it wasn't – but him and Drew struggled for some reason this past week. Um, they just had a tough time with movement. The ball was moving really well through the midfield, and there was something just stopping it up up top. Um, Mike Akinkoy was doing killer work down the middle. Jocelyn Pasayan was doing great down the middle. Forka had a couple of moments, like we said before, where he had uh, miscues that he cleaned up himself. It's really nice to watch him clean up his own ball. Like he doesn't have to depend on anybody else; he just does it himself. Here's my problem with the stars, though. It's like you said it earlier. It's the your one problem. I got many problems with (laughs) their existence. Listen, I heard you talking after the game, and you don't have one problem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's many. But but what what, what drives me crazy is that they play their style of play, and I don't think anyone in Nisa is really adjusting to it. You say we possess the ball, you know, maybe probably 65, 70% of the time. But the problem is it's just maybe playing into their game plan, and I feel like, Nobody has figured out the Michigan Stars yet. They play a very boring brand of soccer, and I haven't seen anybody break them down effectively, and it's getting very annoying. And I don't, I don't know how to change yeah, that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you do because I think the Bobcats did everything in their power to win that game, other than hit the back of the net. Well, I guess yeah. You, you I mean, it's not. Like, it's not like they seemingly did anything wrong. It was one touch that led to a goal and one boneheaded challenge in the box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I look at what happened in that because I was stunned when McCruva, the goalkeeper for Michigan went up to take the penalty. I I had never seen that before. I talked ever seen that before during play. So here's, and this is a little bit of a teaser to my rant. When someone's an asshole, um, they're unstoppable. So Macruva hates the Bobcats and he hates us. 
any particular reason before why? before the match he had he came by and made some comments towards our section as they were leaving the field That's... to get to get into the locker rooms. Okay, because this is the last sort of stuff season that I don't see here or so see last season when they were in town. So what you haven't seen yet, uh, Max, is that when the stars bring their owner. Because the stars normally travel with their owner and George Yunkai. He was not there at the most recent <clears throat> game. The, those we get in literal screaming matches with their with their team, like where they're yelling back at us, and it's it's a two way street. So that this game was very tame and respectful in that way. Magruva last game. Uh. I think it was like the 80th minute. He started time wasting, picking the ball up, ah. walking, drop it, pick it up, walk with it, drop it. And at one point, what we were doing was we were just counting the seconds he was holding on to the ball. I think I heard you guys do that. During <clears throat> and this there game. were points in that game last season where he held it for 20 plus seconds, which should never fucking happen. Yeah, that's that's not supposed to be allowed. So so shit like that, I guess we've gotten under his skin. So I talked to I went down and talked to the guys on the bench for Michigan after the game, both players and coaches. McGruva took the ball from their shooter and oh. said, I'm gonna take this penalty kick. That was not oh. designed at all. And Stu Flaherty, their their coach, the guy that was in white, said, like, I I heard it audible from his bench. This is what we get for not having a, a set penalty taker. Because that okay. chaos, that chaos before the penalty that was organic was not was not Bobcats versus stars. That was within the stars. And if you watch that video back when he goes off and starts flipping. No one goes to him. It's such a, the, it's oh, such a ridiculous <laughs> There's one player, the, uh, there was a gentleman with dreads that ran to him. Everybody else went back to the field and got set up. The coaching staff sat back down. I mean, I think I was, that was more, there was, was some real, he could there was some real dissension. <clears throat> he did it last year is why I wasn't. Don't get me wrong. Yes. Yeah, so last season, at the end of the game, when they scored, he ran to center field and did a flip like that at center field. And yeah. I had the same words for him then as I have for him now. If you act like a jackass, we're going to laugh when you hyperextend your knee and end your career. Okay, I, I'm not going to go that you far. Can't go sign I, I, I said it. I said it. Max did not say it. I said it. <laughs> We please, hope that please, 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 Mr. Yonkai, do not come after I me. Don't, those words. I don't. I don't. I said it after the game, and I said it to some of their players. I don't ever want to see somebody get hurt. But there's a point of disrespect that was so incredibly crossed in that moment that he's crossed in the past. That just I don't want to see good things happen to him. Man, it's not that I want to see bad things happen to him, but I don't want to see good things happen to him. Want him to okay. live the most mediocre life possible is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I hope your kid doesn't pass geometry. <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, listen, man. I almost didn't. <laughs> yeah, geometry was I always, a little tougher for me. <clears throat> I always wish very meaning, meaningless things on people. 
<laughs> or like or like diseases that have been cured. <laughs> like cure easily gonorrhea. be solved. Like <laughs> I hope I hope your kid gets hand, foot, and mouth. I, mean, I had hand, foot, and mouth two summers ago, and it was brutal. That's, 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 a, that's a disease that babies oh. get, Mike. I, I got my – well, of course, I have the, the two-year-old Oh, would you have time. scurvy and scarlet fever as well? She had she had hand, foot, and mouth, and somehow I caught it, and it was just brutal mouth sores. I can't even describe how sore the, these mouth sores made me feel. But anyway – Let's get going. We're at an hour 15. If anyone's still listening, they are a masochist for Bobcat's content. We appreciate it. Or they're just that. a huge fan of me. They could an be, absolute, yes. Yeah. An absolute fucking sicko. Hey, Zach, I know you're listening at this point. Thank you, and we appreciate you coming to all the matches. I know you might be the only one listening right now. We love you very much. All right, so any uh, last thoughts from the stars before we get to rants? No, my rant's about the stars. Go. We gotta we gotta figure something out here. We gotta figure out how to get past that. A team in the league has got to figure out how to do it. I mean, but like that's the that's their villain origin story. They lock it down, they let you think you've got it, and then they make you pay. And that's what they did this weekend, and that's what they're gonna keep doing. I mean, I like the it, I was shocked at how respectful and friendly their staff and their players were without George Junkai there. I think that speaks volumes, uh, especially for the fact that everybody wants to whine and say, oh, people just hate George Junkai. Yeah, because you can see the effect when he's not here. The fact that the owner not showing up to the game, it was a friendly game where we could enjoy ourselves. Bonkers. Um, But yes, back to what I was saying a moment ago. Don't do backflips and shit in front of people, asshole. You scored on a goal that literally if you miss, it's your fucking fault. Penalties are a promised goal unless you fuck up yourself. It was a good take, though, is is, uh, is my only. It's a beautiful take. <laughs> it was, it was a, a beautiful hit. take. And if I could hit. do a, a double back handspring like that, I would do it. But you know what I wouldn't do? At the end of a game, when you're winning 2-0 in the 90th minute in the pouring rain, <laughs> on wet turf, that's stupid. That's completely fair. Aside, aside from Man, the disrespect I aspect. The gra- I forgot the grounds were wet at that point. Yikes. Aside from you the disrespect aspect, you're going you're gonna to break your leg. You're going to blow out a hip. You're going to hurt yourself, and you're going to end your fucking career. That's shitty. Don't do that. <laughs> I say this out of love slash get fucked. It was impressive too, though. Triple back handspring back. Foot <laughs> That's a routine. I bet he did Mike, some gymnastics growing up. How do McCruva's balls taste, Mike? It's a little sweaty. Uh, you're after just, you're just gobbling them. You're just gobbling them at this point. Oh, I got no love for the Michigan Stars. Max, do you want to um, finish or do you want to go now? Uh Listen, I would love to stick around and talk with you guys because, frankly, we could talk for hours. I've got plenty of stories that I didn't tell. There might have to be a part two to this. Let's do it. There might have to be a part two where I tell you the pizza box story. Oh, that there's your teaser for the next part. (laughs) We're going to rain check the fuck out of that because I've got to uh, care for for tiny lives and 
in not as many hours as I want there to be. Yes, so, I agree. I'll fi- I'll finish by saying for people who are listening, for people who are able to find their find their way in the world, find what's going to make you happy in life. Because frankly, if you're doing something that makes you unhappy, if you're doing something that you're there just for the purpose of where you are, that's how I ended up miserable. Honestly, just find your way to make your life meaningful. And if for me right now, that is working for these Bobcats, that is working with this team, that is working with this great crew. And I'm very thankful for Kalen, for CSA, for the entire front office staff for keeping me around because simply put, I don't know when my last game is going to be. I don't know when this journey ends because I've had this journey end before. So I'm here to enjoy every game. And if you're not interested in being along for the ride, maybe sports aren't for you. Very nicely said. Yeah. Great to have you here. Uh, I was actually going to end on a similar vein here. I'm I'm a decade older than you. Uh, day job I don't always enjoy so much, but you know there's there's plenty of things to do on the side. I like to keep soccer going, so I would I would just encourage you to try to enjoy day to day as much as possible, as hard as that can be sometimes. Uh, one last final thought: I love bringing my five year old daughter to the Bobcats games. If you have kids, bring them. It is so much fun. It is really so much fun. So we'll give them a drum, a drum and a kazoo, and we'll have a party. Loves the drum. She loves. She's very disappointed. Just teach, just teach them not to say bad words like us. That's all. Yeah, we actually sat on the other side for a half, and she was just taking pictures. And I was surprised at how much game I got to watch. So I'm gonna do that again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mike likes it when he doesn't have to hang out with us. No, beat everyone. I prefer to hang out with you guys, but. Abby doesn't want to miss a game, so. Blessings and good evening. Good night, everyone.